Hi, I'm Jackie Tantillo, and this is Should Have Listened to My Mother. What does it mean to be a mother? Is it strictly biological? Is it simply a kindred soul or spirit? Or the warm embrace, letting your child know they'll always be safe in your arms? And what about that tough love thing that mothers are supposed to be good at? My guest, Natasha Levaye, is a Russian-Ukrainian home cook living in eastern Hungary with her husband and young daughter. The couple met when Natasha was traveling as a Christian missionary working at a local Hungarian orphanage as part of a missionary team. As a teen, Natasha used to compete in hip-hop dance competitions and took home a third-place medal in a city competition. In sharp contrast, while working at a children's shelter, my guest was homeless, yet lucky to find an extra bed at her place of work. Natasha Levaye, it's a pleasure to have you on Should Have Listened to My Mother. I'm so glad to be here. And through the magic of the internet and Zoom, you are in uh, Eastern Hungary speaking to me. And it sounds like you're in the same room with me. So this is really a a wonderful opportunity to have you on my show. So we're going to talk about two mothers in your life, your biological mom, and then as, as you referred to as your spiritual mother. How about if we begin with uh, your biological mother's name? Her name is Tatiana. Okay. And, and she's Russian. Go ahead. She's Russian. Mm-hmm. She's Russian, fully, and my father was fully Hungarian, uh, fully Ukrainian, sorry. <laughs> and do you have siblings? I have one sister. She's two years younger than me, and she's living in Russia right now. There's a lot going on between Russia and the Ukraine and and all of Europe, really, and and affecting the whole world. So it it must be a a complicated and tough time for you. It is. It it must be very hard. You must be torn in many directions. Yes, it is. You mentioned you and Tatiana had a a challenging or have still have a challenging relationship. Yes. um, When we were small, we didn't spend much time with her because... She was working very early. She would leave home, come back home very late. And then during the summers, we would be sent to one of my grandmas or a summer camp of some sort. And we didn't spend much time with my family. That's why I don't have even very many memories with my mom. What did she do for work, your mom? At first, she worked in a bank. And then... Uh, she always worked in some sort of business. Now she's working in a business that builds houses and she's helping with business plans, with money, ac- accounting, I guess. I don't know exactly, but she's doing something of that sort. And how long ago was it that you actually saw her? It was five years ago, partially because of COVID and partially because I just wasn't able to visit Russia in the first couple of years and then COVID hit. And now because of my paperwork and the baby, it would be hard to go. Emotionally, do you have a connection still with your mom? I mean, I know the COVID and these technical issues are involved with, with seeing her, but is there, do you have a, a hunger to see her? Um, I, right now, I don't. I think at first, when I left Russia, there were times when I tried to reach out to her and keep some sort of a relationship. But when I ask her, how are you doing? 
all she says is I'm doing all right, I'm working. And if I ask for more detail, she says that we'll talk more when you get here. And when I mentioned that it's been five years, she says, well, it's okay, you'll be here at some point. And then that's about how far we go in talking about personal stuff. So I don't really feel attached emotionally to her. I don't miss her. Um, maybe I just miss my sister because we were closer with her rather. Mm-hmm. Are you? Does your sister have a good relationship with your mom? No, my sister has a worse relationship with my mom because I don't have hard feelings towards her. I don't have any sort of pain that is always present inside of me towards her, but my sister does, and that makes it harder for her. So I'm assuming maybe that Rochelle, your, as you refer to as your spiritual mother, was able to help mm-hmm. you through or get to where you are today regarding emotionally regarding your mom. Yes, yes. So so tell us how that relationship began with Rochelle, or mm-hmm. what do you call Rochelle? Do you call her Rochelle, or do you call Rochelle? You Rochelle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and how old yes. were you when you met? Tell us a little bit about her. Mm-hmm. So I was six, seven, 17 years old when in Russia there was a camp for teenagers, and I was helping there with administrative stuff, and we had American visitors who taught English at the camp. And Rochelle was one of the people who was teaching English. And she invited me and a few other girls to visit her at the apartment she was renting at that time in St. Petersburg, Russia, where she came to visit for the camp. And I think what kind of touched me the most at that time is I remember one day when I was helping them get around town, translate for them. We were all tired. And by the end of the day, um, around midnight, we were about to go to sleep. And she was asking questions. She started asking me questions. How am I doing um, about my family, about my job, my studies? And I remember that um, it was different, that nobody really ever asked me these questions, especially when we're all tired and they want to go to sleep. So I felt that probably the conversation is going to end soon. But she continued asking questions and talking with me through different um, areas of what I was bringing up, I guess. And we stayed up until two in the morning, I think. And that was (laughs) something that stayed with me forever because nobody ever did that for me until that point. And that's how our relationship started. Then she went back to the States in a few days and continued reaching out to me through Skype, through Facebook. It was funny because my English wasn't that good yet i was assigned as a translator for them (laughs) it was (laughs) awkward at times but she was very intentional on reaching out to me i guess she felt that i had that that thirst for a mother figure here you have like you said you're exhausted and (laughs) you're meeting this woman who is really concerned and she's interested about how you're holding up emotionally and mentally and Mm -hmm. and and you felt comfortable enough to open up to her. Mm-hmm. So she left and you communicated via email or phone calls? or At first, we communicated through mess- messages on Facebook and then sometimes we would talk on Skype. But then uh, she came back and visited Russia twice a year from then on. And then she encouraged me to 
moved to Hungary and go to a Bible school in Hungary because I kind of I was always interested in helping as a volunteer different places, which in Christian world we would call a missionary, being a missionary. When you go somewhere and, and do volunteer work without getting paid for it, and you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And then there was a school that taught you how to do it well. And she encouraged me to apply and to go to that Bible college. And that was a big thing, I think, that mm, a big impact of her in my life because that was a big change that happened when I moved to Hungary and did the school. She used to come to Hungary too, twice a year. She did a trip when she went to Hungary, then she went to Romania, sometimes to Germany, to Italy, and then to Russia and helped at different orphanages, churches. So I continued seeing her twice a year in Hungary, even when I was studying here. And here I got to see a different part of her where she was caring for those kids that she didn't know, that didn't know her, but somehow she was able to connect with them on such a deep level that kids liked it. They opened up most of the time. And a lot of times those conversations impacted them um, and they would be waiting for them to come back. And it was something special. I could never figure out what exactly is that with her, but she can just help people open up very quickly. Magic touch, I guess. <laughs> something like that. And she was warm and, and she listened and she was concerned about their heart and their inner being, right? If they were okay. Yeah. So was a, a religion or any of this missionary um, idea present in your life growing up with your family? No. My mom um, had a sense of something supernatural. In Russia, a lot of people are superstitious. They believe in the existence of something. Some people believe in the existence of spirits, of power, of God of some sort. And it is very, very culturally ingrained in us. And so uh, I started going to just an Orthodox temple when I was 16 because I felt emotionally very stressed out because of my school, choosing the path in life, friendships, things like that. And I needed to find some sort of peace. And just one of my friends one time mentioned that she finds peace when she comes to a temple and she sits down on a bench. And I thought, oh, I should try that. <laughs> so I did. I went and somehow I liked it on that day. Somehow it helped me. And then from then on, I started getting more into the like what it really means to be a Christian. What is that religion? And as I was going further into it, I started also going to a different church where people would be more personal than, let's say, in a temple, because in a temple, you don't really talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And then slowly, slowly, I got more and more involved into that uh, religion, faith, and my father was very much against it. And that was the reason why I had to move out from the house at 18. And that's when I separated from my family more so, probably even more so because of my religion. Did they think that maybe you were on a dark path or something, it, or it was just against mm -hmm. their beliefs and they thought you were kind of losing it or something? <laughs> yes. There is a sense in Russia that if you uh, go to any sort of church other than the Orthodox temple, then you are in a sort of sect that cult or is, sect. yeah, cult, yes, that is going for your money. And that is basically what they want. Because my mom did take part in some of those groups before and my dad um found out he was very upset about it and 
Uh, yeah, there is bad reputation around those groups in Russia. Right. They have happened all over the world that people yeah. have been taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. This is very impressive. You listened to your heart and you were trying to find something to help ground you. And then mm -hmm. Rochelle came into your life and, and, and a friend as well who, who turned you on to your initial finds. So I, it was serendipitous. It was meant to be this direction that you went in. Mm -hmm. And today, do you still work f with a missionary? Oh, yes. So from that time when I was in, uh, in the school to when I started working with the church and orphanages, there are so many things that happened. And um, the main, I think the main event that I had with Rochelle was after four years of me being in Hungary, I got depressed because for the latter two years, I was working at a church and for many, many reasons, um, I got depressed and then I had to leave. And the problem was that I didn't want to go back to Russia. In Hungary, I didn't really have a place to go where I would like to go. And I was stranded in the world. And she offered to invite me to her place for a few months and help me uh, process what happened and what's next. And I went to California and stayed at her house for four and a half months. And I think that was the most life-changing experience because she also done some training in psychology in therapy and she was able to help me understand why i got depressed um and also she helped me recover and find a new direction in life that um helped me hope you know and have life again and believe in yourself mm -hmm. that you you are a wonderful being and you're capable of mm -hmm. doing anything that you set your mind to all those wonderful things that a mother figure hopefully mm -hmm. does right with their child yeah so well we should have had her on the show Rochelle yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to get in touch with her <laughs> she sounds wonderful and you're still in touch today yes um for about two years they didn't come because of COVID and now they were here a month ago or a couple of weeks ago they came again and went back and they're planning to come in about September and maybe stay for longer, stay for a month or two, because um, they would like to do more work here in Hungary. When you say they, do you mean an organization or Rochelle and her family? Oh, her family, her husband. Yeah, she has two sons and um, they would maybe come with one of her sons because that's what they do on short trips. I don't know about the longer one. Maybe he wouldn't come, but yeah, her family. What was it like? living in California. <laughs> You're a lucky gal. It was wonderful. <laughs> yes, it was wonderful because I didn't have to struggle for life. I, I, it was a tr such a transition from being alone in a little town in Hungary where it's snowing, it's cold, it's lonely. I didn't feel a purpose in life at that point. And then I go to a place that is warm and sunny and i live in a house with a family and every time i wake up there's someone in the house and i don't have to figure out every single day what am i going to do and somebody cares for me and um i can go along with her to the store to the library to i don't know anywhere that she went to it was just really fun because i had a few other friends in california from the bible school so we went on some road trips uh, once we drove from California to Utah, mm -hmm. 
and then we stayed there for a few days and came back. It was really fun. And we went to Brace Canyon one time to Yosemite with my other friend. Never been there <sighs> myself. <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> You're very lucky. I know. You mentioned in some of your writing, I think, which is on your website that we'll talk about in a little bit of how you were in kind of a dark, cold place geographically. And you dreamed of being in a sunny place in the woods out in nature with your home smelling of beautiful, freshly baked apple pies and breads and mm -hmm. sweets and things. How did Rochelle, in addition to what you've already shared with us, how did she encourage you or support you to continue in the direction that you had dreamed of? Whew. She always encouraged me to find what is my calling in life. I, she, I guess she didn't encourage me towards any specific thing in life. She definitely has a heart for kids that don't have parents. And that's what she was inspiring me also to move towards, to help the kids. And she didn't really have a vision like I did about you know living in a very calm place because she comes from a different background. Um, but she definitely inspired me to always look um, for what is my calling in life from God. You know, like what what is that in my life that will help others the most at this moment of life? And I guess she just gave me a lot of hope and comfort by just being there. She never encouraged me towards anything specific, but because she was there, I always had hope, you know, and ideas for what would be next thing in my life. Right. And she was trying to maybe help you stop doubting yourself of what you were capable of and, and, and achieving. So was it calm based on your past? The calmness was something that was you were hungry for? Yes, I come from a city that has seven, seven million people living in it. And it was so um, normal for you to spend three hours on the road every single day getting to work from work people everywhere uh, cars coffee shops restaurants it is such a city life and because of that craziness i longed for something peaceful my dream job was to ha to be a book shop seller and just sit in a small little bookshop and read books all day long somewhere in a very very small town where nobody will talk to me because i was just so tired i think of that um, pace of life not because that's really my dream job but because i was so tired as a 17 19 20 year old in that um in that kind of city and right now i live in a small village in a house we have our own little corner and i enjoy it very much <laughs> hustle and bustle sounds like mm -hmm. new york that many yeah. million love but it isn't for yeah. everybody. And no. if it creates that tension or turmoil and you're looking for some peace and calm, it's best to go find that. Don't don't yeah. give up your dreams and hopes. Parents always say to their kids, you got to listen to your gut, an American expression, mm -hmm. I guess, or in English. You have to listen to what your conscience is telling you. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm glad that you did that. Is there something else in particular that you wanted to mention specific about Rochelle? She sounds like a wonderful woman. She is. I think she deserves her own book because of all the things that she's done. And I think the main, probably the main um, characteristics of her is that she is very personal. 
she feels very deep deeply and when somebody shares their story with her she's ready you know to feel it to cry with them to laugh with them and i think that is what is the most healing in talking with her is that when you share something difficult she cries with you and i think not everybody can do that and i think that is what a lot of times can bring healing to a difficult story well crying is a huge part of the healing process mm-hmm. and yeah people that are struggling either they don't know how to cry or they've never been allowed to cry or it it's mm-hmm. can be very complicated but it's such it's like you know the pressure valve is released mm-hmm. and um yes. and that's wonderful so uh when's the last time you were in touch with Rochelle a couple of days ago we still talk on messenger a lot and last time i saw her in person was maybe 2 3 weeks ago when they visited they came over to our house for dinner Oh that's great. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. What did you make? Cuz we're going to get into talking about your Ooh. cooking work. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make something great, but unfortunately Rochelle has so many health problems that she is allergic to a lot of things. And um so she's veget- uh, kind of vegetarian. She can have boiled chicken, gluten-free, cannot eat certain vegetables, spices, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I literally just baked chicken with salt <laughs> and made some rice with vegetables which wasn't as tasty but that was something that you could eat. What would be a because um, I know your husband has um diet restrictions as well but what would be a traditional Ukrainian Russian meal? Aha. Uh-huh. I think the most popular one is borscht. <laughs> That's originally Ukrainian and It's very important to mention that this is Ukrainian because many <laughs> Russians think it is Russian, but it is Ukrainian and on the website people did comment on my post when I when I wrote something like Russian borscht somebody commented saying it is not Russian it's Ukrainian and it's true it's it originated in Ukraine then carried over to other countries and I guess Polish people think they have Polish borscht Hungarian think, think Hungarians think they have Hungarian borscht I've seen something of that sort on the internet people posting about Hungarian borscht but that is basically a soup with um beets beetroot cabbage uh meat a lot of things but it tastes both like it tastes sour it tastes slightly sweet because you put carrots and beetroot and sugar and it tastes also uh sour because of the sour cream and because of the vinegar and of course you put a lot of salt too so it has a very specific flavor that i've never met in other dishes and i'd say that that probably characterizes the culture of ukraine and russia at the same time the most the root vegetables are some of my favorites so mm-hmm. i'll be right over <laughs> i'll be right over <laughs> well that sounds delicious so i would love to start having you tell my listeners again about how you started fulfilling your dream of being in your home and doing your cooking your website is beautiful the photographs i haven't looked through your recipes cuz they're there as well but it's natashashome.com correct mhm right thank you you had a baby a couple months ago it's quite a bit of work to get a a business like this up and running oh yes i think when i was when i was pregnant I felt a bit bored <laughs> because I didn't I couldn't have a job here officially because of my paperwork. I was pregnant, I was at home a lot, I was feeling very nauseous a lot, so I couldn't really do much and then I would 
go online and look at all these um, bloggers and people who are posting a lot about their passions, about homemaking, about food. And I always wanted to have a blog and I did try before starting one and kind of always I faced some difficulties and kind of quit every single time. But this time I had all the time on my hands. So I um, found something that I like doing. Although before getting married, I didn't dedicate much time to food because I felt like it's a waste of time to cook for myself and eat it and then feel like hours just went by for nothing. But when <laughs> I got married and I had a husband to feed, now it was more interesting to cook there's some, because there's somebody who will appreciate it. And I started looking at all the different videos, all the different recipes, and it was really interesting. I started, I think one of my first attempts at making something interesting was making a sourdough starter and a sourdough bread and it was terrible the first i think the first one was as hard as a rock i couldn't even cut into it and um <laughs> that was the start of my cooking journey and now i love baking sourdough with both gluten-free and regular one um that's that's quite the thing during COVID. everybody was baking sourdough <laughs> bread and everyone had yes. their starter in the fridge so yes, <laughs> that I'm. I'm glad you you fell right in into the same category as everyone else trying it for the first time. It's trial and error, right? Yes, yeah, and it definitely e becomes easier when you try mm -hmm. more and more. And um, on my website, I wanted to share recipes that I really liked because I at first didn't really know cooking, so every new recipe that I was learning was like a new discovery for me. And the ones that were especially good and I especially liked, I just wanted to um, somehow adjust it, make it, put a new twist on it, make it mine and then share it and have it on my side so that I can also come back to it. Some of them are Hungarian traditional dishes that I tweaked a bit so that they taste a bit better because I guess if you eat something from childhood, it tastes good to you anyways. But then when you try something with a fresh eye, so to say, you you think, okay, maybe if you add like caramelized onions to a potato casserole, maybe it will be better than raw onions. And and yeah. So you created like that. your own twist. I was going to ask, yeah. are you the kind of cook or do you prefer cook or chef? Which do you prefer for yourself? Cook. cook. I'm not okay. a chef, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so are you someone that will diligently repeat one recipe over and over and over again until you get it right? Or do you make it a couple of times and you're like, oh, it's okay. You know, I might tweak it again the next time I make it. Oh, it depends on how difficult the recipe is. If it is difficult, then I will make it many times. If it is not as difficult, I'll make it a couple of times. But then I will make it again and again and again. And as I'm making them more times, just as life goes on, sometimes I will notice that maybe different combinations work better. And then I'll go back and edit what I already posted. Right. Do, you, do you write down every addition and change you've made to the recipe and keep track of everything? You must, if, right? if I think it makes it significantly better than right. I do. Do you eat all of the food <laughs> that you make? <laughs> I can't imagine oh, yes. that it's unedible. <laughs> Yes, I do. Uh, probably something I make might be unedible or close to it, but, you know, it's mainly vegetables and things, so you can't really go wrong. So this is wonderful. And does your daughter eat everything that you're making? 
I know she's she's little. eight months old, right. so she can only eat vegetables, but she wants to eat everything I'm making. Oh, but good. I just don't let her because she always tries to take food off of my ta- my plate. Well, but it's good to start them young on anything and everything that is age appropriate. Yes, because then they'll they'll just gobble everything up, which is really great. I love seeing little kids eating everything. I'm so happy for you that you and Rochelle met up, whether it was divine intervention or happenstance, coincidence, whatever lined up. It's not everyone has this opportunity to find that one other person in their life to help them along the way or, or shed some light on, on their, their path. But I'm very happy for you that it did happen. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad to, it changed my life, that's for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure you're changing people's lives every day because you know what, how much you gained from the relationship with Rochelle. Definitely. When you experience something life-changing, then you want others to be able to. Yeah, it's pretty great, huh? You pay it forward, as they say. So uh, Natasha's website, Mm -hmm. one more time, is natashashome.com. The photographs Mm -hmm. are, again, I'll repeat myself, they're really, really beautiful. So I thank Mm -hmm. you. Your English is phenomenal. I could never go to Hungary and speak any other language other than English. So you should be really Mm -hmm. proud of all that you've accomplished. Thank you. (laughs) And I thank you for joining us on Should Have Listened to My Mother. Thank you. It was nice to talk to you.